Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say... You really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Where, among other things, we'll find out about the offensive linesman. Hello there and welcome to Any Given Wednesday, a brand new podcast all about the world of the NFL. I'm Tom Parry, a recently new NFL fan, and I figured that in order to understand the present, it is best to revisit the past. So over the course of this series, we'll be looking back at all the greatest teams, the legendary players, the coaches, plays and moments from the glorious history of this sport. Consider this podcast a gateway into the history of the game for both beginners and experts alike. In this episode, we're going to be kicking things off with a look back at the legendary 1972 Miami Dolphins and their perfect season. But before that, it's time to meet my co-host. He's a good friend, a fellow Packers fan, an NFL aficionado, and both my guide and yours to all things NFL. It's Mr. Mike Bubbins. Hello, Tom. Hello, world. How you doing, pal? How's it going? Very good, mate. Very good. Yes, it's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's lovely. Exciting. Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I'm both excited and a little bit nervous because I know I'm jo- I know you're joining me from your, you know, Bubbins Bar, right? Yeah, the Bubbins so Bar, yeah. So you want to tell the listener about what Bubbins Bar is? This is a home pub that I built about, well, 10 years ago now, 2010 established. Um, my wife at the time was pregnant with our first child. This was a garage. I knocked the garage down. I built a bar. My mother walked into the house just before I finished building it and said, what are you doing? There was stuff everywhere. She said, what are you doing, Mike? Kelly's eight months pregnant. I said, I know. I said, um, I, but I'm building, a, I'm building a pub in the house, the back of the house. She said, yeah, but Kelly's eight months pregnant. I said, yeah, I know. That's why I'm building a pub in the back of the house. So it's been a savior, really, mate. I mean, there's yeah. somewhere I can come. I, I can go out and stay in at the same time. And over the years, I've added to it and added to it, and now it's become a shrine to all things good, really. The NFL, bit of rugby, bit of uh, the Rockford Files. 
beautiful, it's nice. mate. I've had the opposite. My missus is pregnant, and I've moved into my mother-in-law's house. Living the dream, man. It's kind of the opposite reaction, really. So I'm yeah. coming to you from a front room in my mother-in-law's house that's devoid of NFL memory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine that's on very, very thin ice at the moment. I mean, if you if you live with the, with the in-laws, or is it all right? Is it okay? No comment on that. No comment on that. Because you never know who's listening, Mike. I'm glad to see me as well. Because when we did this just before we came on air, you had a, your, your Zoom background set up without knowing you'd left it on there. Yeah. And it looked like Jay Leno. And now you've gone back to your, your sort of mother-in-law's living room. Yeah, well, this is the difference between our generations, Mike, you know, is that yeah. you, back in the day when you wanted to go to a pub, you, you could just build, you had to build one in your back garden. Whereas me, yeah. I just change my virtual background. <laughs> and, I, and, I'm there, and I'm there mentally. This is Snapchat generation, isn't it? <laughs> That's what it is, Mike. That's what it is. Here's why I'm a bit nervous, right? Is because I know cool. you know your onions when it comes to the NFL. Now, I love the NFL, but I don't quite know my onions. And that's what I think a lot of British uh, football fans feel that way. It's yeah. very hard to kind of crack, you know, being able to talk about the NFL without sounding like an absolute beginner. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's a real balance like making it that no one seems to have trod, is that the word? particularly well, somewhere between going full stato and assuming that you know the ins and outs of every single snap of every game ever, yeah, and what they do on TV a lot, which is to assume that people have tuned in, even even though the game's been on since 1982, right? Every sort of BBC and ITV programme starts with American football's a game of 11 players aside. You've got four attempts or downs to make 10 yards. If, oh, yeah, we know that, mate. What? what you don't tell us the rules of football every time we watch a game of football or rugby or, you know, just, we know how it works. We've got Madden. Okay, we've seen it on TV. We've got Google. But, yeah, but don't talk over our heads. So I'm, I'm here to be a touchstone, a oh, conduit. Man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm here to make it accessible to you. That's, that's, that's music to my ears, Mike. That's music to my ears because, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I still have questions that I just feel, I feel stupid for asking. And it's not that I don't know what's going on. I love the game. You know, I've been following it closely now for about eight years. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, back in the day, my introduction to the game was, you know, John Madden, 93. Yeah. That's kind of when I first kind of found out about the game. Well, don't, make, don't feel, I mean, don't feel embarrassed by asking me anything. I mean, you've, not only have we danced together topless, I've had you on my shoulders topless. You're one of the few people in life who've managed to put me on. That's why I trust you, Mike. One of the few men I've ever met capable of putting me on your shoulders. Well, at the yep. time, you, you were with your, with your good friend, Matthew Crosby. Yeah. He was topless on top of your shoulders. You, you've got a bit of a topless thing. People should know this. Yeah. And you put Matthew down, and, he, and then I picked you up. And you, you were incredulous at the time, I remember. Yeah. Beautiful. And I was up there for at least a song and a half as well. Oh, mate, it was like a bear's dream come true. There's just the two of us bare-chested. <laughs> um, you're not talking about the Chicago Bears there, are you? No, I'm not talking about Jim McMahon. <laughs> so when did you first dis like develop a love for the NFL? When, when was it like when you first kind of thought, this is a, this is the game for me? Oh, Channel 4, mate. When it first started on sort of 82, 83, and I was just starting secondary school and, you know, living in Wales was all sort of rugby and football and a bit of cricket and then... Uh, yeah, the NFL came along. Channel 4, 6 o'clock on a Sunday. And I just was hooked from the first time I saw it. Watching it with my dad. My, my first game I saw, I think, was a Monday night game. Redskins against the, sorry, Washington football team these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. Against Green Bay Packers. And dad said, pick a team. And I picked the team in, in green. And that was it, yeah. So, I mean, I've been a fan ever since then. Since, God, nearly 40 years, Tom. That's something I love about, uh, I love about British uh, football fans, is that... 
the reason they pick their team is always completely arbitrary. Like, you know, there's, there's, yeah. there's rarely a decent connection to why you pick your team. Like, yeah. uh, I picked the... I, I, too, am a Packers fan, and the reason I got into the Packers was because I knew they were the, the, the fans were called the Cheeseheads. Uh, and I love eating cheese, and it was like it was literally like I was, I, I was kind of going, well, you know, I, I was watching a lot of the, a lot of the highlights, and I was like, well, I've got to have a team. And then I saw a guy with a big piece of cheese on his head, and I was like, hello, <laughs> I, I, I don't mind that. And like that's that's the arbitrary. And like I have to kind of find better examples. So like when people who are serious about the NFL ask me why I'm a Packers fan, I normally go like, ah, well, they're still owned by the fans and, you know, Brett Favre, the kind of legendary kind of quarterbacks and Lombardi. And it, and actually the truth is that I saw a guy with a big piece of cheese on his head and thought, yeah, I like that. There was a story about, oh, it's got to be 20 years ago now, there was a light aircraft crash in Wisconsin. And uh, they both survived, these two lads survived the crash because they were wearing their big foam cheese heads. No, oh, I yes, thought, this please. Is, this is super... <laughs> So, every time I've flown ever since, I've worn the cheese head just yeah, in case. Yeah, absolutely, just for health and safety. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I, I wonder how other people have picked their teams. Oh, uh, yeah, I want to know. That's it, yeah. Listeners, sure get, in, yeah, get in touch. Let us know. Have you got, like, an arbitrary, uh, random reason why mm. you pick the team uh, that you're you're backing? I mean, I reckon there might also be some people listening who haven't yet got a team, and I think that's something we can help them out with because what we're planning to do for those listening is, uh, you know, every every week we're going to pick a different, uh, well, piece of history from the NFL, have a little explore, uh, look at a different franchise, look at a different year, look at some legendary players, some legendary plays, kind of break it down and knock it around. And then I think together we can all expand our knowledge of, uh, of this brilliant game. Mm. So that's what the podcast is going to be. And this week, we are going to be looking at the only team to ever go a full season undefeated in the history of the NFL. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. The legendary 1972 Miami Dolphins. Yes, please. <laughs> Zonka heaven. Venus, you've told us a bit about Bubbins Bar. Mm. Uh, I want to know uh, what you know. You've got pieces of memorabilia there. You know, you got, you got. And I thought it every is... week you could, you could take us on a little virtual tour of Bubby's Bar. So, what's your, what's the first piece of merch you want to talk us through? Your first. Well, it's chock a block. It is chock a block of memorabilia, Tom. Um, I'll pick. Yeah, I'll pick one a week. This week I'll pick a Chicago Bears baseball cap, snapback cap from '86 when I went to go and see the the first official American Bowl in Wembley. In 1986, and I've, I bought my dad bought me the cap for the Cowboys and the cap for the for the Bears, covered my bases. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick that cap from the 1986 American Bowl. Beautiful. So who did you see there? Because the the 86 Bears, we're talking like uh, quite a legendary team. Oh, Singletary, Walter Payton, uh, Jim McMahon, Richard Dent. Oh God, Dennis Gentry. Um, I mean, yeah, fantastic team. And how how was that like? What was the atmosphere like at Wembley? Because like I think now, obviously, we go to the go to the London games now and it's full of you know there's a big following now everyone's there yeah. in different kind of shirts it's kind of just a big piss up really it's a bit of a weird atmosphere in it because no one's really there back in there's no big kind of home and away support yeah kind of like everyone's just there kind of on a jolly celebrating the fact that we've got some games 
But also now, I, I got to see quite a few of those games now nowadays, and everyone's quite clued up. So you go back to '86, yeah, and it'd be going sort of three or four years at the time. People didn't really get the flow of the game. People had only ever seen where where people now they watch Sky or they or they watch you know they watch a live stream. In those days, you watched your sixty minutes on a Sunday, and that was all the NFL games in sixty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get to Wembley. My dad, uh, his mate, his mate Aidan Davy, Simon Wilkie, my dad's other mate, me and my friend Craig Softly from school. Great name. I know. Craig Softly. Dolphins, Dolphins fan, old Craig lives in Toronto now. But anyway, so we get there, and first of all, it was the old Wembley, which was fantastic. Yeah. Lovely big old beast of a stadium, oh, beautiful. And to stadium. Sit, to walk through there and see the the end zones painted with bears and cowboys, and but it was preseason, so we'd never seen any preseason games. Yeah, and the game just took forever. I mean, it, it took especially because it's preseason. <laughs> I mean, it was like a four hour plus game with yeah, probably yeah, yeah. squads of a hundred each. So after the first quarter, everybody you knew wasn't playing. So there was like three quarters of like people trying to make the team, yeah. and uh, yeah, my dad's two mates just spent the whole. Probably the last three and a half hours, just watching the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. Yeah, you see, when you go and see it live, you suddenly realise why there's a need for cheerleaders, don't you? <laughs> You're gonna go. Like I, no, I, I can watch three games live now, back to back. Yeah. I love it. I, I can yeah, easily yeah. watch like nine, ten, twelve hours of football. But in those days, it was it was just a culture shock because people had never seen a live football game. So to realise that, you know, it doesn't take it doesn't take eleven minutes. It takes the best part of four hours. But it was still, I mean, that, that that went for a couple of years, but it was nice to be there at the first one. I think there was one the year before, uh, I think St. Louis played, but it was like like an unsanctioned game, you know? Yeah. So this was the first proper NFL preseason game overseas, and I was there, mate, I was there, with this Chicago Bears cap. Amazing. Yeah. What kind of state's it in? It's immaculate, mate, it is A1. I don't, I don't, I've never worn it, because you look like a right bellend. Um, <laughs> never been worn. All the Cowboys won. I was going to give the Cowboys one, but my mate Kenny comes over on a Sunday to watch the football. He's a huge Cowboys fan. Yeah. And we'd had a few beers the night he came over, and I did tell him that I'd give him the Cowboys cap because he's coveted it for a while. And then he forgot to take it on with him because we got a bit tipsy. Then the next day I woke up, remembered what I'd promised, and then thought, no way. Hit it. Yeah, you're not having that, mate. You're not having that. It's too valuable. (laughs) Good man. Sorry, Ken. sorry, Ken. I've lost it. I don't know where it's going. <laughs> um, right. Well, can I? Uh, I think like a little feature at the top of the show uh, every week. I want these questions that like people feel a bit embarrassed to ask. Right. But here's the question that I have for you because I think this is a perfectly legit question. You're you're a rugby man, right? As well. I am. Laterals. Right. Let's talk. Right. Like whenever I see a lateral play, mm-hmm. I always think right there. That's the future of the sport. Right. Like, all I'm saying is, if I'm a coach, mm-hmm. I'm saying 40% of my playbook is going to be put towards laterals. Because, <laughs> for me, it's like, a re- it's like a revolutionary way to look at the game. Like, why does no one exploit laterals? The way, like, why is it not just a done thing? Why isn't everyone playing laterals? Because, surely, like, you know, mm. the, the ball goes forward, then it can come back, it can come back. You can just... You mm. could transform the way you play your team. I'm saying if you put me in charge of a franchise, I'm going to be bringing laterals to the field. I'll have a Super Bowl in my first three seasons. <laughs> I'm going to say, <laughs> after the furore of, of employing this bloke from Birmingham, England, right, <laughs> who doesn't know his arse from his elbow, you, you'd you be fired within minutes. Um, right, no, it's, it's a good question, right? You watch a game. We, we, 
we all know how rugby works. Um, and if you don't know, if you're listening to this, any player can lateral a ball, which means a sideways or a backwards pass, as many times as they like in any part of the field, right? Yeah. So you'll you'll see if they if if it's if it's basically all or nothing. If if you're down by, you need a score, you need a touchdown to win. They will start throwing the ball all over the place laterally, right? And it, and people always lose their minds when it starts happening. People are like, "Oh, they think it's holy a, yeah. shit! Here we go!" Yeah, laterally. It's like even last though, ditch, <laughs> last ditch effort. Even though everyone in the stadium and everyone on TV knows they're going to try that, yeah. right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, right, the, the main reason they don't do it, well, there's a couple of reasons. I would say the main reason they don't do it is your job in football, your job in rugby, is always to support the ball carrier, right? Yeah. So if I see you make a break. I'm assuming it's not going to go very far, right? No offense, Tom. Dude. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to make sure I'm on your shoulder supporting you, right? Yeah, yeah. Be- behind yeah. you. In football, your number one job on the offense is to protect the ball carrier. So if you've got the ball, there's going to be 11 blokes trying to kill you. Yeah. My job is to get in front of you to stop that happening, right? Yeah. And everyone else's job is to get in front of you to stop it happening as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on a running play, everyone should be in front of you. Right? So you haven't got a lateral option. As soon as you're taking people you can possibly lateral to, you're, you're removing blockers. You're removing people who's, who are running interference for you. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I'm playing on that field, I'm not going to be a fan of my playbook. I mean, like... <laughs> I mean the, I, I, I don't use it occasionally. The, the, there isn't like a... Because um, the, the quarterback will often pitch out to a running back, which is a, which is a lateral pass, right? That happens yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most running backs can can pitch quite easily as pitch out easily as well so there'd be an option for maybe running two backs and then one pass into the, like drawing the tackle of it if we use a rugby expression and then pass the ball but then that the person you're passing to should really be in front of you blocking for you that's his job right so if, if I'm if I'm playing a game and I'm, I'm a running back I want my players in front of me protecting me trying to make me trying to open up gaps for me, trying to get running lanes. I don't really want them behind me going, yes, Mike, yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Mike! <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I'm getting absolutely splattered by a middle linebacker because you're, you're hanging around for a pass outside me. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, that's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
Have you played? You've played the game, haven't you? Yeah, I played. I played as a kid when it was all the rage in the eighties, and it was all. I played for. Um, yeah, I played for a team here in Cardiff, which was just obviously just a bunch of kids running around the place, which was good fun. Yeah. And then when I went to university, I played British University football, which is essentially, I mean, it might have changed in the last 20, 25 years. While I played, it was all the lads who couldn't get in the rugby team. Whereas yeah. I'd, had a, I'd had one of my customary rows with, with the rugby team. Oh, yeah. Uh, and stormed off. And then I thought, well, I'm balls to you. I'm not going to play rugby this year. What, so what, I went to... What, what were the rows about, Mike? Just the fact that I thought I was easily the best player there and I wasn't getting enough um, yeah, yeah, yeah. recognition for it. That's, that's about right. Usually, <laughs> usual sort of thing, you know. So I went out and uh, tried out for the the University of Wales College Cardiff Cobras, the mighty UWCC Cobras. Th- thought they were on the whole uh, Burks, really. You know, nice enough fellas, but lads who couldn't get in the football or the rugby team. So I played for them briefly, only for a few games. Lit it up, as you can imagine. Some of the white prowess going and play against a bunch of... Uh, I mean, drongers is a harsh word. Um, yeah, so I played for them for, uh, for three or four games. Got a couple of MVPs. Scored a lot of touchdowns. And then uh, went back to rug- went back to rugby. I couldn't... Yeah, I came, I saw I conquered. And I was going back to play some rugby. In fact, in First Down Magazine, which you may or may not be familiar with, Tom, I haven't I've got kept, a subscription. I've kept all my cuttings here from the day. I'll, I'll show you one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, okay. That's for another episode. I mean, <laughs> Christmas special. Maybe. I tell you what, if we make it to 50 episodes, then we'll be revisiting Mike Bobbin's playing era for a full hour. Oh, come on. <laughs> what fan favourite that I'll, da- I'll dangle that carrot for you right now, listeners. <laughs> I, the closest yeah. I came to play was I was at university. I was in my second year and I was broke. You're a big lad. Yeah, I thought I've got this. And I was out one night. And I, I was hammered. And a, uh, the captain of the American football team like kind of saw me at a bar and was like, do you play? And I was like, no, but I'm happy to give it a go. So I turned up for training the next day. And when I arrived, they said, you had to, I had to sign like an insurance form and pay 150 quid in case I broke my neck. And uh, really? I didn't have any money, and uh, I didn't want to break my neck, so I came home. <laughs> that was as close as I got. Two good reasons. Oh, no, yeah, I know, 150 quid. Just couldn't Mate, square it. you got a terrible agent, haven't you? You really <laughs> yeah. have. You have to pay them 150 quid. <laughs> this is an absolute rig here. I mean, my first game, mate, I hate to blow my own trim, but as you know. No, but, you um, don't. I scored four touchdowns, won the MVP. Oh, there's only four touchdowns in the game to add to, add to the mystique. And... Um, First Down Magazine said, after that, the game was all bubbins. Mike. I mean, that's all you need to know, really, isn't it? Well, that's the title of episode 50. Let's, let's keep that powder dry, mate. Let's keep that powder dry. <laughs> oh, great. Right, shall we crack into our main topic for this episode? Well, yes, please. Okay, so we've decided to kick things off by looking at the perfect season, going back to 1972 to look at the 17-0 Dolphins, legends of the game. When we kicked around uh, an episode idea to start with, I think maybe our producer Simon came up with this idea. This this ticks all my boxes, this. Oh. I mean, I was born in 72. I love the 70s. I love football. I love that Dolphins team. Um, 
I mean, as looks go, I start like I, I started watching the documentary, and I could see why this really lit you up because oh. every other Miami Dolphins player looks like Mike Bubbins. Watch, I tell you, a good starting point if people are going to follow this for for this episode is to watch the America's Game, the NFL films make uh, the Super Bowl uh, Seven, I think it is Super Bowl Seven version, which is the perfect season, and just look at the players because yeah, I mean I. I think, sort of subconsciously, my look has developed into a, the love child of Manny Fernandez, and Larry Zonka, right? That will mean nothing to most listeners, I'd imagine, but look him up because, I mean, Larry Zonka is a. Well, I was a kid watching back in the days of VHS. I had an NFL Crunch Time VHS tape. Yeah. And it was all about the hardest hitters in the NFL: six players, five defensive players, and one offensive player. So if you make the hardest hitters in the league <laughs> as an offensive player, was a fellow called Larry Zonka, who was in, the, who was the running back for the for the Dolphins in this season, who is an absolute batting ram of a man. Uh, but what a good looking bloke as well. Yeah. God, that oh, the moustache, the, the suits, the shirts. They said the, they, they said shoulders. he was the only offensive player to ever be done for unnecessary roughness against the tackle. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. Well, he, he smashed the tackler with a with a forearm. Yeah, and the referee flew a flag on Zonka, which never happens. Well, I've never, I've never seen that before or since. So the reason this, the reason the team has gone down in history is they are the only team in the history of the NFL to go completely undefeated for a whole season, yeah. uh, seventeen games on the bounce. And it is pretty. That, that's what I love about American football. Like you know, obviously they say any given Sunday because you just never know. Like you know, any it depend, any team can be in form and then suddenly just the way the game goes it's so difficult what they've done and it's never been done since and one of the things I loved about the documentary is like they say every year when an undefeated team get beaten and they realise that they're not going to go their their record isn't going to get matched they all meet up and open a bottle of champagne I love that to celebrate and and these blokes now are in their are in their 70s you know uh, 70s and 80s and you, and you say it doesn't mean anything you know it's, only, it's just a number it means something to those all those boys it means it means the world you know how about them new york giants the wild card playoff team almost two touchdown underdogs going in managed to ruin the patriots perfect season when the patriots lost that Super Bowl a few years ago and they, they would have been an undefeated team 2007 i think yeah well there we go oh god that's gone for that one quick um yeah, I remember at the time Larry Zonka talking about that. That it was it was it was a big deal because this it's special, isn't it? I mean, the whole the, the way the NFL is set up, if, if people don't know, it's all set up to be even and equal. So you've got a draft there, you've got a salary cap, you've got you know the, the way that the schedules are, are worked out every season, so the better teams play better teams outside the divisions and stuff. So the whole point is that things are even, right? So you look at a, a coach with a great record might have a sixty percent winning record, so he's losing four games out of every ten. So to go through a whole season like that unbeaten is is really special. One of the most amazing things about it is you kind of look at. Um, I think for me, I don't know. I think a lot of people over in Britain who fall in love with American football, like 
part of part of that is like movies and like so things mm. like any given sunday yeah. friday night lights and like you look at the story of the 1972 team and it is like watching a film like yeah. you know like you look at the characters and it's like manny fernandez oh. is a character from an american football film like he's in the everglades because like obviously it's miami he's out there on his speedboat in the Everglades, hunting alligators, <laughs> you know, and it's like, uh, and he's got this kind of handlebar By mustache. Hand. It's insane, and you're like, go, that is, that's the reason you fall in love with this American football because you just don't get that with Premier League footballers. Like you can't, you know, no, no offense, yeah. but you can't. You don't see Matthew Letizia wrestling on alligators, do you? <laughs> you just don't do it, you know. You wouldn't even see Deli Ali near a stray dog. Do you know what I mean? Like you kind of go like, imagine, you know, Marcus Rashford. Well, there's the a Fox. bit there when. When Fernandez says that he, for a joke, I mean, imagine doing this for a joke with your coach. So Don Shula's their coach. In, for my money, after Lombardi, and, and and I prefer him to Belichick as well, but that's controversial. But Don Shula's a fantastic, fantastic coach. So Manny Fernandez one week basically gets a, wrestles an alligator out of, out, of the, out of the Everglades. And just puts it in Don Shula's shower room for a laugh. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. That's what I'm talking about. This is what we need. This is the sort of thing we need. This was 20 years before Jackass. This is this is this is people living their lives. Like it is. It, it, it's just next level. Like it is. And and that, I think that scene's actually in any given Sunday. I think like they nick it and put it in that there's an alligator in the shower. What is a Big, larger-than-life character, Fernandez, as well. So he was, you know, they call that defence the no-name defence. Oh, so cool. So yeah. cool. You know, because they played as a team, you know. And even though they, they, were, they were arguably the best defence in the league, there were no real superstars on the team. I think Buonaconte ended up in the Hall of Fame, but he was the only one. So, so they just played as a team. They were a bunch of mates. They did things together. They, they, they played together. They partied together. Vanny cool. Fernandez said... Uh... He was like half blind, like his eyesight is yeah, just appalling. Yeah. And he described his playing tactics as just chasing the blur. <laughs> so he said, I'd have a rough idea where the ball was. Yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. see the movement and then I'd just attack it. It's just like you can't do that in most of the But sports. what an instinct as well, isn't it? You <laughs> know? But you watch him as well and he was a he was big by 70s standards. Like he was a big, tall, strong, but quick, like a quick bloke fan in this as well. And he looks like now, if you haven't seen him now, on that video, on the video, is probably 15 years old now, 10 years old. He looks like Jeffrey Tambor. I don't know if you know, if people listening know who Jeffrey Tambor is. But, he, you know, he's in Larry Sanders' show and he's in Transparent and stuff. Yeah. And you see this both thinking, this mild-mannered-looking, little very neat moustache, yeah. pair of glasses, uh, bald head... Was an absolute lunatic yeah. in the seventies. It looks like he works in the accounts. Like he looks <laughs> like it? this kind of like sweetly spoken man from accounts. Then it cuts back to him, and it's like I had to rewind it. It's like fuck me, that's Manny Fernandez now. It's amazing. And he would dominate offensive lines as well. You know, big players. He'd just throw these centers out of the way, crush running backs beyond the line of scrimmage. He was a fabulous player. But yeah, but what a look as well. And he had the the, the massive sideburns, the big bandito mustache, the big shades on. Right up my alley. Oh, it's amazing. And then, yeah, so so you had like the no-name defence. Mm. Um, and and uh, oh, I got proper goosebumps as well because they were saying that there's only one, like only one member of the no-name defence has got named in the Hall of Fame. So even though like they're the best defence, you know, in the, yeah. in the history of the league. Uh, and it, it, I think it's Nick Buonaconti got, yeah. is the one who got into the Hall of Fame. And he says, yeah. you know, he says like, when you're looking at my bust in the Hall of Fame, that's not my bust. 
that's the entire no name defense. And oh, I was just like, oh no. my God. Come on. I was like properly quivering. I was <laughs> I like, know. oh my God. Uh, they, they, they kind of say everything right. It's just like all lines from a film. Um, well, that well, that's well. Even if you talk about a film that season, so they they've lost, they lose to the Cowboys in, in Super Bowl six. You know, and 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 Manny Fernandez and, and I think Larry Zonka talk about the fact that that unbeaten season started right after that final whistle. They thought we're not going to, this is not going to happen again. We're not going to be the best team in the league and lose it all at the end again, right? So, and they all about when when Schuler had come in because Schuler had been to the Super Bowl before. I mean, Schuler had been with Johnny Unitas and the Colts, and you know he was, a, but lost the Super Bowl with them as well. Yeah. And that was the big one to lose. They lost to bloody Joe Namath and the Jets. I'm sure we'll do that in a, in a different podcast. But that that was a real uh, real game changer for the league. Um, but he came in at forty years of age at the time, Don Schuler as well. That's mental. You know, and he'd been he'd been a head coach since he was thirty three in the NFL. This you know, yeah, this whole season made me feel so old because, uh, you know, they lose their quarterback, don't they, to a broken leg? So Bob Greasy goes down. Yeah, Bob Greasy goes out, and they bring in Earl Morrill, and and like yeah. the big story for Earl Morrill is how old he is and how past yeah. it he is, and they put out a rocking chair next to his locker, and it's like this is the old has been. He's thirty eight. Yeah. I know. <laughs> He's ten years God. younger than me. Oh God. <laughs> Old man morals, only 38. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, but, what, but even that's a story, though, isn't it? I mean, God, you've got a you've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He goes out early doors. Mm. No, it's week, week four or week five, it was early in the season. Yeah. You bring in Earl Morrill, this 38-year-old quarterback, who then goes the next, you know, we, we, oh, spoiler alert, he gets replaced at the very end of the season by when... From Greasy's fit again, yeah. but takes you through that whole season, unbeaten, yeah. and the players think, "What the hell? You know, who's this guy? Thirty-eight years of age, just amazing." But obviously, a great running attack, great receivers, great defense. But I mean, so the running attack was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was oh. Larry Zonka. I mean, again, it's just perfect stuff. <laughs> like, oh. you know, Larry Zonka and Jim Kick, these two huge running backs, and then for that season, Schiller started bringing in Mercury Morris. Who's... Yeah, well, so they they had kick and um, kick and Zonka with, with a backfield partnership. I've had been for a couple of years. Then they brought in Mercury Morris, yeah. which, if there wasn't that strong team spirit, would have caused a lot of friction, obviously. But they talk about it. They said we we had, we had a job to do, so you know, and they what they had and what all good teams in any sport have got is they have faith in the head coach. So Shula says this is the way we're going to do things. This is what this is what we're going to do, you know. But kick. That Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid thing, they played up on that as well. So they they, um, they did a Sports Illustrated cover, I think, where I'm not sure if if Larry's given the bird secretly, like he's, he's got a middle finger out somewhere. But, it, but they, they, they're riding they horses would, down the middle of uh, the highway. I know. Island. How good is it? <laughs> it's just like, yes. And they both look amazing. <laughs> that's it. It's like to do that and not look like a twat. Like that's the most incredible thing. Like if you're going to be riding a horse for a photo shoot down the highway and not look like a twat, and they absolutely. Well, this it is off. why, like, when you watch American football being played in Britain, like when I played it, it just doesn't work. We're not. A, we're not a glamorous. We're not glamorous people. Yeah. You imagine me and you drive, riding like dressed up like Butch and Sundance, riding down like the bull ring in Birmingham to go and play a game of football. You'd look like Mike. If we get to episode 100. That we're going to make that happen. I can tell you that oh, right God, now. Please, God, come on. Please, God. 
straight through the man. I've got to say, man, without putting a damper on it, it's quite strange. I, I did a bit of research when I knew we were doing this one. And um, Don Shula passed away in May of this year, I think yeah. May the 4th, old Star Wars Day. Yeah. Um, 90 years of age. And then Jim Kick passed away in June. So just after that, Jim Kick passed away. Much younger, only 73. Wow. But yeah, I mean, Zonk is still going strong, living up in Alaska, hunting and fishing and being an outdoorsman. And Manny Fernandez still going strong. The, um, that, like, it, there's something quite, I, I, like, I was, I was reading about Shula passing away. Uh, and mm. uh, it's kind of, I, I like the fact that, he, like, um, you know, 90 years old is a good age to bow out. And he's still, still, like, when he died, he's, you know, the legacy of being undefeated. Still, no one's done it, and it's yeah, pretty. It's, so it's, nice. it's 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 a it's a pretty incredible thing, really, because like he comes across as, like you said, like you look at the only comparison I think from you know I, well from I know from watching the last five years is like Belichick's the kind of the only person who comes close to that kind mm. of character, really. Who's like you know the respect that they had for him. He is kind of the uh, archetypal kind of NFL leader, isn't he? You know. Well, Zonka talks about him as being more than a coach. He was like he was like a like a father figure to the team, even though he he wasn't that much older than some of the players. But they all have this this deep respect for Don Shula, and which I think you need. I, th- I think if you're going to ask somebody to do something, you got to remember as well. And I'll, I'll mention this a bit later, but there wasn't huge money in the NFL in those days, right? So I think they offered the the unbeaten season. They offered uh, Larry Zonka and Jim Kick. Forty thousand dollars each, you know, yeah. and they were the probably the two of the best running backs in the league, playing for a team that went on that just lost a Super Bowl and goes on to be an unbeaten team and win a Super Bowl, offering forty grand each, which I don't know what that was in pounds in those days, you know, probably twenty thousand pounds a minute, but it, but it wasn't big money, you know. So these days you might suck it up for a coach you don't respect if you're getting, you know, one hundred and twenty million dollars a year, but for those in those days. And they were your star players, and they weren't on big money. So a lot of those players would have been on. It wasn't long after the year when all the players had second jobs. You know, yeah. they, they, apart from apart from your big stars, everyone had a job in the off season. So the way that you what sort of jobs kept, are they doing in the off season? Whatever. I mean, a lot of cars, boys were car salesmen, insurance salesmen, real estate yeah. agents. I mean, not probably not blue collar stuff, or not not um, manual stuff, obviously. But they all had they all had jobs apart from maybe your top three or four players. So, someone like Shula, when you got out there and you got, they talk about doing four a day training sessions in Miami. Yeah. You know, in pads. And you're out there 12 hours a day. Then you're doing, you're doing your game film. So, you're doing, you're putting in six day weeks of grueling 12 hour days, 14 hour days. You're not doing that unless you really believe in the coach and you think that, you're, you know, you're part of something special. Yeah. And they all talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's, an, it, it's a really emotional watch. You know, and um, and hearing Larry Zonka talk about uh, about Don Shula this year, it, it it is a it's really it's really emotional stuff. Larry Zonka's like such an emotive guy, isn't he? The, the the bit when they ask him about the Super Bowl loss that that kind of kicked off the unbeaten season, mm. and um, and Manny Fernandez talks about you know being moved to tears, and they ask Larry <laughs> Zonka if he cried, and he looks straight down the lens and says, "The last time I cried was when Yellow died." <laughs> just like oh, oh. people crying over a game that's horse shit it gets, gets, gets you right where it's pure it's just like oh god I'd follow that man into war Do you know what I mean? like, it's like... well there used to be a fella called John Facenda 
who I'm also sure we'll talk about, who did all the NFL films um, commentary. Right. This beautiful voice that he had, John Fassender. And on that Crunch Time video, it's all voiced by John Fassender. And there's a bit about Larry Zonka, and he goes, I'll, I'll put my hands on my mouth and do my impression of, uh, of, of John Fassender. Zonka ran the football like a horse plows a field, doggedly, and with a high pain threshold. I thought, oh, come on. Yes. What? And they said he would love to look down and see blood dripping off his nose or like be covered in mud or be soaking wet. He just loved the the hit and the grind of it, you know? Imagine you get imagine getting a review like that for a comedy gig. Bubbins oh, yeah. performs doggedly and with a high pain <laughs> threshold. That's the audience, mate. That is the audience. <laughs> Yeah, I've had I've had much worse reviews than that. <laughs> no, he is, isn't he? So, like, and the the other bit that really got me was then Zonka's talking about again. It's like any given Sunday that that kind of Al Pacino inches speech where Zonka says, "If there's only five seconds I could travel oh, back in time for oh. in in my whole career, it'd be those five last the last five seconds in the huddle." You know where where yeah. all where all the offensive linesmen are looking at you saying, "Pick me, go oh. with me." Oh, I've got your back. It's just like the, the you know, the goosebumps that I got just listening well, I wrote, to that. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down the same bit, and he's for a size he's got one of those faces. You think, oh Christ, I'd love to spend some time with him. I bet he's fantastic company. Yeah. he's got just a he's a lovable looking bloke. Yeah, but when he said that, that only the only five seconds he misses is that five seconds in the huddle, and he, he says he looks at all their eyes, and there's that ultimate trust. And there's a fellow there called Bob Kutchenberg who was on the line there. And he says it was one of the, I think he was a guard, not a tackle. I think he was, I think he was played guard. But he says to him, just stick your head up my ass. You know, you know, in other words, I'm just going to, you get at me, boy. I'm going to. Oh, yes. I've experienced man, something like that once before, Mike, which is when on. a man looked at me and said, you're going on my shoulders. Come on. You mate. were that you, man, Mike. If you could go back, it'd be that five seconds in the Comedy Festival when there was ultimate trust there, wouldn't there? <laughs> That's what it's all about, mate. The bloke who runs that festival, old friend Henry Whittacombe. Yeah. I um, I remember him saying to me once, he was he was plonking around me backstage at a gig that he booked. I said, mate, if you do that again, I'm going to flick you upside down and bite your ass, right? <laughs> and he did it again, so I just flipped him upside down and bit his ass, right? And You're he a went, man of your word. I've never felt power like that. <laughs> I think that's like Larry Zonker-esque. I like to think he'd have done the same thing. Yeah, yeah, he would have. And what a line in clothes as well. How good are his jackets and shirts, Zonker? It's perfect. There, there, there's one. Sh- there's there's one shot. I, you've got listener. You've got to go watch this America's Game. There's this one shot, and it pans along the bench, and you see kind of Jim Kick with this, uh, uh, like Jim Kick handlebar mustache, Mercury Morris, kind of uh, this orange headband oh, yeah. in like this kind of tight afro, and then and and then and then. Uh, Larry Zonka, and it's just, it's the coolest, it's the coolest bench you've ever seen in your life. It's just amazing. And Don Shula talks about Larry Zonka, and he says, as a coach, it's tough to get close to a player because it's, it's a ruthless business. You've got to cut people, you know, it, it, it's, at the end of the day, it's about dollars, right? So you have to let people go. He said, but with someone like Larry Zonka, it's impossible not to get close to him. He said he loved the game, he loved his teammates. And on game day, he was just the toughest player you could imagine. Because he, he left, I mean, not off the season after this, or two seasons after this maybe, Zonka and Jim Kick both left to go. There was a, there was a rival league started up called the World Football League, WFL. And they both left. And it was, like I said, it's a business. So, I mean, at the time, they, like I said, they were getting offered $40,000. 
I think in the end they managed to, to get the owners up to $60,000 salary. The World Football League came in and, and gave him a guaranteed payday. So they guaranteed Jim Kick $700,000. And they guaranteed Zonka $1.4 million in like 1974. So you appreciate there's a business and it has to be a business. Zonka was so likeable and such a hard worker that you couldn't not, you know, bond with the bloke. Yeah. I don't like hunting. I'm, I'm completely against hunting. And I've probably fished once in my life, right? Yeah. But I was trying to think today, I was trying to work out how we could swing going on a, a trip to Alaska to meet Larry Zonka. That's my wife, you know? <laughs> I'm th- thinking I'm going to spend a week in Alaska with Larry Zonka. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like to think of myself as anti-hunting. <laughs> But if Larry chucks you a rifle and says, come on, fella, we're going to go and get some game, you're going to be shooting something, aren't you? You're going to be shooting yeah. something. <laughs> it's like, it's like, as long as you eat it, it's fine, isn't it? It felt all right when I was with Larry. <laughs> like Larry made it I mean, in, okay. in hindsight, love, it was cruel. Yeah. But this is Larry Zonka. <laughs> we finally worked out how Yella died, actually. Larry shot him. <laughs> <laughs> Still fills up, doesn't he? <laughs> At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Awaken your senses with a curiously refreshing Hendrix Cucumber Lemonade. Curious how? Cue the aroma. Marvelous. Cue the taste. Magnificent. Cue the cucumber. That's the refreshing secret. Hendrix is uncommonly crafted with cucumbers, roses, artistry, and imagination. Other gins are ordinary, but Hendrix is refreshingly curious. Discover Hendrix Gin cocktail recipes at HendrixGin.com. Please drink the unusual responsibly. Hendrix Gin, 44% alcohol by volume. Bottled and imported by William Grant Sons, New York, New York. Copyright 2024. I also want to touch upon because like there's there's quite a funny antithesis to like that kind of triumvirate of like Zonka Kick and Mercury Morris hmm. which is the um the kicker for the Dolphins is like oh. the least cool American footballer you could ever see in your life so he's a short bald bloke from Cyprus yeah called Yepravian Garo Yepremian and he looks like he he looks like he works in the off in the front office. Like it's amazing when the helmet comes off and it's that black. Well, the thing is, you see like Manny Fernandez now, and he looks like he doesn't belong on a football field, right? Yeah. You see Gary Apremian when he was on a football field, and thought you don't belong on a football field. But he was this little tiny Greek Cypriot kicker, right? Who came over? There's quite a famous one. It wasn't this season, I don't think, but he won a game. He kicked the points to win a game, maybe the season before, and didn't really understand how football worked, you know, at all. And had very broken English. And one of the reporters came up and asked, sort of stuck a microphone on his face and said, you know, 
Gano, how does it fit? He's like, I kick a touchdown. <laughs> he just didn't. He didn't know what he was on about. So, but, <laughs> different time. <laughs> Imagine being a professional footballer and not quite knowing what's going on. All he knew, because I mean, and this is why football works. His job was to kick that football over the post. Yeah. Nothing else. Doesn't know how the game works, what the scoring system is. Doesn't know anything else. So in that game, it was in the Super Bowl. So they're going for the 17-0 perfect season. And they're 14-0 up in the, yeah. in the Super Bowl. They wanted to go for the kick to make it 17-0, 17-0. So they right? win the Super Bowl 17-0 in the season. Yeah, and they, they said whenever you try to mess with the gods of a sport like that, yeah. you know, it always ends badly. Zonka's not so, happy about this. He's not happy about it, still, is he? Zonka doesn't like this. All right, here's your premium on for a 42-yard field goal attempt. So the kick gets blocked. <laughs> Gary, your premium starts sort of backpedaling. And then he throws. <laughs> what I can only describe as the most pathetic attempt at a pass I've ever seen, right? So he somehow managed to like hit his up the back of his own head with the ball, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the ball was in the air. So then Manny Fernandez talking about it, saying it wasn't the fact that he the kick got fluffed or that he it wasn't the fact that it was the worst throw I'd ever seen. It was the fact that that then gets intercepted. Yeah. And you see your premium running after him, and then he's got a clear chance to at least dive in front of him he hasn't got to make a tackle he's just got to try and put his body in the way and he stops completely <laughs> he's not and Manny Fernandez said <laughs> Manny Fernandez said <laughs> I knew that Gara was a coward but I didn't realise how much of a coward he was a poor bloke my heart goes out to him because it is the worst it's the worst single passage of play you'll ever see like his kick goes up the arse of someone in front of him and then he gets the ball back bashes it over his own head and throws, like, throws it directly to the, the opposite team and then refuses to and tackle. then dives out the way what a cookie player I'm, I'm fascinated by you Premier like how how does a guy of his size and stature from Cyprus end up playing for the Miami Dolphins like it must be one of the most unlikely stories in sport there's been, always been a lot of signs in the NFL the soccer style kicker as they called it was the way forward it was, it was a higher percentage kick it was a much more successful kick than that, the old straight ahead toe punt they used to do right yeah so they started scouring Europe for kickers so my dad said you'd see you'd see like adverts in the South Wales Echo the newspaper about, you know, <laughs> any, any rugby kickers want to come along to these trials so they must have, and football players and rugby players so they've obviously got, I don't know where they've got Garrow from. <laughs> he was a good kicker. He kicked like a 51-yard yeah, I mean, field goal. Yeah, I mean, he, he was. He was great. He could kick. He just couldn't do anything else. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> but, I mean, to be fair to him, when you see him, like you said, he's with his helmet off. If you saw an NFL player, even on, even a on 1972 NFL player, next to Gary Apremian, you'd think, I'd get out of the way if I was you, mate. <laughs> Gary Premier thought the same thing. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> and he'd agree with you. The film script we need to write is a yeah. uh, you know <laughs> it's a South Walian steel worker. A Port Talbot steel worker who ends up playing for the Miami Dolphins. Well isn't that the replacements? You've just basically <laughs> described the replacements. Yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> it's been done, mate, sorry. That's fair enough. I tell you what they do so well with the NFL films. They love, they embrace the sort of the macho and the, and the, uh, and, and all that side of it. But they never shy away from the emotional side of it, do they? No. They really bang you in the heartstrings a few times. Yeah. There's a bit there when the day of the Pittsburgh Steelers game, so AFC Championship game, which we would probably call a semi-final, right? And they said, uh, 
they're in Pittsburgh because in those days, these days, if you've got the best record, you get the home advantage in the playoffs. In those days, it was it was on a rotational um, thing. So they've got to go away to Pittsburgh. So Manny Fernandez says he's, he's watching the TV that morning and this flight L-1011 crashes in the, in the Everglades. And his wife was cabin crew on the L-1011. So for all he knows now, his, his wife has been killed in a in a plane crash. He, he then phones the house, there's, expecting there to be no answer, and she answers it. And she swapped her shift with another with another girl. Amazing. Of course, and that's the morning you play. I mean, Amazing. where's your head then? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a movie. That whole, that whole season is a movie. Like, the redemptive arc, the kind of, you know, like, the, 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 the three running backs, Fernandez with his wife and that story. And also, like you know, that the whole Bob Greasy breaking his leg, and then coming back right at the death, and Shula putting him in for the final game. And you imagine Morrill. I mean, Morrill hasn't lost a game. Yeah, he's taken to an unbeaten season, and then Shula gets you in and says, "Listen, Earl, I'm going to sit you down now Earl, and bring Bob you, back in." You're you've like, got old bones, mate. You're, th- you're 38 years old. I mean, to be oh, fair, he's man. only two years younger than than, yeah. than Shula. That's pretty incredible. And then he says to him, "Yeah, I, I don't agree with you, coach, but okay." Oh, You're the boss, you know. Yeah. I don't agree with it, but that's what we're going to do. Surely said it was the toughest decision he ever had to make. Well, there's another um, with your with your film plot here, Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. That Pittsburgh game. Like my my sister lives in Pittsburgh. Married a boy from Pittsburgh, so I was over there last time a couple of years ago. Pittsburgh is is a sports crazy town, like and and especially football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, that team of the seventies were, were fantastic. Won four Super Bowls. So they lose to the, the Dolphins in, in 72 in, in the championship game. Um, but part of that game, the game before that uh, for Pittsburgh was the Immaculate Reception, oh. which is Franco Harris catches this ball that is almost impossible to catch, right? Yeah. And they yeah. score off it. So when you get a Pittsburgh airport, there's the statue of, of Franco Harris. Of the Immaculate, and, and the Immaculate Reception. Of the Immaculate Reception, yeah. Amazing. You know, so that's that's in the same story. So in the one season with all this stuff going on, absolute golden season for football, nineteen seventy-two. Incredible, great uh, characters, great games, and a, a, an unbeaten season with all these subplots. Amazing. I was going to say, mate. There's there's a bit there. Talk about what a cutthroat business it is. The punter, Larry Siepler, I think I'm pronouncing it right. Was the was the punter? Oh yeah, yeah. And they said we had an understanding, and the coach said to Larry, "Listen." If you ever think it's on to try and get the first down, not not to kick it, you go for it. You know, yes, I'll back you. That's but if you don't, my ears. but if you don't get it, that's your ass. You're out of a job. So talk about backing yourself. And they show that game where it's like a fourth and short. I, I think suppose. it was the championship game. Yeah, and he gets the ball, and what they were, and they were down. This is the thing; they were down, so they they're going for field position, and he thinks this is on, and he just takes off. If he'd have cocked that up. He'd get fired that day, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and he makes a great run. What they did then, because I think a lot of the the commentary from those days, a lot of those boys came from radio commentary into TV. So they do the stuff that they don't do these days. It's not as descriptive these days. There's a lot of sort of colour commentary, but they don't do like the radio commentary they used to do. So I miss the old... When he makes that run, he goes... uh, He's he's on the thirty, the thirty-five, the forty, the forty-five, the fifty, the forty-five, the forty, so the forty. I think, oh, God, I love that shit. Do more of that in the NFL now. 
Yeah. I want to hear. I want to hear fucking yard by yard on a run. I love that. You're a big fan of that's the the countdown. That's the main bit. It oh. is great. There's nothing like. When it goes it. up to halfway, that comes back down. The thirty, the thirty-five, the forty, the forty-five. He's at the fifty, the forty-five, the forty. Come on. <laughs> and and it's absolutely music to my ears to hear about the fake punt because as someone who kind of only got to know the game through playing John Madden. Like in 1993, <laughs> fake punt every I, time. I'd be guaranteed. Punt, fake punt was my that was my play. I just thought I didn't understand how the game worked, and all I knew was that if you, fa- I had two choices: fake punt or hail mary, because yeah. those are the ones where I knew I'd be able to throw it a long way. So I, when I first started watching the game, I was like, "Why is no one fake punting, man? It's there. It's in Lat- your locker. <laughs> laterals and fake punts." <laughs> I'm telling you now, when I when I get my shot at coaching in the NFL, it's going to be laterals and fake punts all the way. If you're listening to this and you're a general manager or an owner in the NFL and you'd like to make Tom Perry yeah. your offensive coordinator, I'm throwing. We my could hat get into some the sort ring. of crowdfunding going. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm throwing my hat into the ring. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'd love to see that. <laughs> uh, the thing about football is it, it it's cyclical, right? Yeah. Here we go. So an offensive will get will get a, a, a little crease. They think, oh, this is the new way to do things. When they brought in a few years ago, the Wildcat offense came in. They thought that was like a brand new thing, but that been that was around in the nineteen thirties, right? Yeah. But then within a season, defenses are switched onto it. The Wildcat doesn't work, you know. So that's the way it works. So you could come in there with your fake punt lateral offense. Just give me one season. Mate, for one season, you could be the man. I could go 17 and 0. <laughs> well, it'd be 19 and 0 these days. You'd be even better. No, I'm going to lose two games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 17 2. The thing I want to finish by talking about about the Dolphins is kind of mm. like the legacy that this yeah. left behind and what happened. Because, you know, I think because of this season, Schiller was there for a long time after this, then, wasn't he? Mm. And, like, I can remember when I was growing up in the 80s, like, the Dolphins were always seen as one of the the prem you know they were one of the premier yeah, yeah, teams yeah. they were one of the true international teams you know like a bunch yeah. of my mates were dolphins fans actually i thought that was because of dan marino and i look you look back and dan marino didn't win a super bowl did he the bob greasy dolphins in the 70s so they beat beat the redskins they beat minnesota the following year minnesota were like the were the bills of the 70s they went to four super bowls and they lost four super right, bowls yeah, yeah, yeah. so they won easily the next year the, the dolphins yeah and then nothing till the 80s when they lost to Feisman's Redskins, I believe, and Montana's 49ers. Right, so they went yeah. twice, twice more, but never, never achieved that again. And I mean, for me, I mean, I love Dan Marino. It's, it's quite weird. We we've gone for an hour and not talked about Marino. Obviously, we're talking about this this perfect season, but he, he had everything apart from a Super Bowl ring. So he, for my money, the best quarterback to never win a Super Bowl is, is Dan Marino. But yeah, I think I think maybe in the eighties, people going to we talk about why people pick teams, but People go on holiday to Florida a lot, go to Miami, they come back with their Miami stuff, they become Miami Dolphins fans. But they were like the glam team of the of the, of the 80s when I first started watching. Yeah, absolutely. Marina was really good looking, the uniforms looked great, they're playing in the sunshine, you know. Um, but that team, the shooter had in the 70s, was, was a better team than that team in the 80s. Yeah, the perfect team. Yeah. I mean, shooter was loved in Miami as well. If you win a, a Super Bowl, or especially if you win two Super Bowls, you've got a lot of credit in the bank over there. You know, yeah, you don't get like a, a Claudio Ranieri winning a season and the next season he's gone. Off. You know, I mean, you've you've got you've got a lot of credit in the bank there. But Shula's career ended up. We talked about a get uh, you know a league that's set up to be fifty fifty. I think his, his I think his lifetime career percentage was like nearly seventy percent wins. He's one of the most winning the winningest coach. The winningest. Yeah. The wing the winningest coach in history, I think, in terms of games won. 
Obviously not in terms of Super Bowls won. But, um, yeah, I, it made me think of Arsene Wenger at Arsenal, obviously because they did the unbeaten season and mm. then, like, never, re- you know, obviously didn't quite go on to, you know, back it up with more Super, you know, more Super Bowl wins. So, it, uh, I think that's often a question, isn't it, from British football fans of talking about, like, oh, well, what team would they be if it was a, mm. if it was a soccer team? That's a good team? one, actually. And I thought, you know, maybe Arsenal might be the comparison there because they did have that, you know, they had the perfect season. Wenger was clearly a genius, um, but you know, once he'd done those couple of wins, never quite went pushed on. You know, or I don't know. To... I think as the draft and because the way the contracts are set up over there, that yeah. you know, your player turnover is a lot higher than it is here. Yeah, you know, so I think what Veng is, we won't go down and turn into a soccer a football podcast, but um, where he felt a lot of allegiance to certain players, which is a good thing. I think maybe a lot of those players played past their best. Where in the NFL, it doesn't matter how good you are. You know, if the, if the owner wants you gone or the general manager wants you gone, you're gone, you know. So the one constant tends to be if you've got a really good head coach, then you'll build that team around the head coach. You know, so Sheila was there for years and, you know, God, how long was he there for? He was there until like 95, I think. He was there for eight, yeah, years and years. Yeah, so 25 years, you know. So I guess my question, just to finish on then, Mike, to you. Mm. I don't know, you know, apply this to your own life if you want to, but would you rather be perfect once or would you be rather be imperfect more and win more. Like, I think oh, mate. what's special about that 72 thing is no one's ever going to take that away from them. You know, it's immortality. This is a thing, right? This is the thing. And and Zonka mentioned it at the end. So in answer to the question, I would take the perfect season. Yeah. I, I, I would take one perfect season above four Super Bowl rings any day of the week because, like Zonka said at, at the end there, when whenever a team gets past 5-0, and oh, they start talking about the, the 72 Dolphins. And and every team since then has failed to do that perfect season. Yeah. And he said, he said, we're like a ghost that keeps coming back, you know. And he said, and basically that that legacy will live on. Like I said Jim Kicks passed away. Don Shula's passed away. Larry Zonka's in his seventies. Manny Fernandez is in the seventies. They said, we're like a ghost that keeps coming back, and and we always will. Oh. And then and then Zonka says, I like being a ghost. Oh, oh my oh. God! I love you. I love you. It just keeps on coming with Zonka, doesn't it? Oh, amazing! Yeah, it is. Oh, lovely. I really enjoyed that. Man. Yeah, I really enjoyed that as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. We hope you enjoyed it. Maybe you'll go off and watch America's Game for the Miami Dolphins 72 season. We're gonna be back. Please get in touch. We want to hear from you. Let us know. You know, we want to know what are your obscure reasons for following the team that you follow. Is there an obscure or arbitrary reason why you support the football team that you support? If you can leave, you know, leave comments in the review section of wherever you get your podcast from, wherever you're listening to this, and let us know. Have you got a random reason, you know? Or was it to do with the colours? Was it to do with a player that you just liked? Have you got a cousin who once went to Pittsburgh and, you know, brought back a fridge magnet? Holiday romance. Holiday romance. These are the things that we like. Was there an exchange student who broke mm. your heart? Who's from Atlanta? <laughs> let, us, let us know. I mean, this sounds personal, Tom. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's for another time, Mike. It's for another time, but it's why I don't support the Falcons, I can tell you that. Jenny! <laughs> Back up field at the 35 to the 
45, to the 40, to the 35, to the 20, to the 10, he's all 